How are we folks? Welcome to episode 3 of Yogi Dave's Hobby Podcast. Um, I hope you have enjoyed episodes 1 and 2. Um, I know they were released like a week apart, uh, but I actually had episode 2 done a wee bit earlier. Uh, but I wanted to leave a wee bit of space to see how many people actually listened to episode 1 before I released episode 2. Um, <clears throat> or whether or not I would have Apple to actually fucking sort shit out and, and get me uh, cleared before episode 2 was released um, um, at this point I'm actually not sure um, because I'm recording this not that long after I recorded episode 2 um, but you know um, anyway, um, I'm Yogi Dave obviously, um, or David Muir um, I am your host um, I talk about gaming um, and all the things that are related to gaming um, and that is board games uh, RPGs and war games don't do any collectible card games or anything like that um, and I very rarely do any um, computer gaming anymore um, so a lot of this is me talking turning into rants um, and that will continue um, at some point I'm going to have some people on um, maybe friends of mine or maybe you know people that I know um, within gaming um, I'll have the odd interview episode or the odd talking with other people episode but most of them is going to be me talking about various things in the hobby that I do uh, enjoy or drive me fucking crazy and there'll be lots of swearing because that's just who the fuck I am and I don't really care um, so first thing I'm talking about today is board games um, so when I talk about board games I don't just mean you know your, your regular run in the mill board games like Monopoly or Cluedo or anything like that you know that's, that's the mainstream board games I'm talking about um, stuff like Massive Darkness and Zombieside and Conan and Batman and all these cool ones as as well as what is more traditionally board gaming like Catan or Axis and Allies or you know stuff like that that's more like hobby orientated and that's not just that kind of what I class as board gaming isn't is not like traditional board gaming because Cards Against Humanity is not a fucking board game really but I put it in that like section of my hobby um, even though it's, a, it's strictly speaking it's a card game um, but I, I stick that in my what I class as card games are um, well you your traditional card games like poker and um, Jinrami and stuff like that but um, card games are like Magic the Gathering um, Keyforge, Pokemon you know those are the ones that I consider to be card games mm. and I know I'm probably wrong and I know actually no, totally wrong um, but it's how my brain works these games in um, ooh, excuse me. Back in the day, 
I was very much not that big into board games. I had Hero Quest, my older brother had Space Crusade, and um, we had Advanced Hero Quest at some point. Somebody bought Advanced Hero Quest, I can't remember who. Um, um, you know, I, somebody bought me Classic Dungeon, bought Battle Masters, um, but that was really quite for more of a game like a hobby um, board gaming obviously we had like Cluedo and Monopoly and these kinds of things but you know we didn't really pay, play them very often and we had Buck Rogers there was like Buck Rogers games the game that I stole all the fighters and stuff from for doing something else can't remember what it was for I think it was Star Trek to be honest with me and um, when I started doing Star Trek Combat Simulator, because the battlers look like a little bit like fucking more birds or birds of prey. Not too much, but a little bit. Um, anyway. Um, you know, we played them when we were younger. But, yeah, I mean, still own them. No, maybe not. Don't own Space Crusade that much, that much. We own parts of it. Because parts of it have been damaged, I admit, probably by me, um, and the figures have been repurposed for other things uh, over the years. So, don't quite have Space Crusade anymore, but still got Hero Quest, still got Advanced Hero Quest, and even Classic Dungeons kicking about the door, um, though the figures have disappeared off the face of the bloody earth, um, probably in a fucking landfill somewhere because um, I probably put them in a bin by mistake because I'm a fucking idiot sometimes um, but you know that part of the hobby kind of fell away um, after I did buy the war game um, Doom of the Empire and not Doom of the Empire, Doom of the Elder yeah, the one with the, is it High Fleet Kraken? Attacking a Lytic, the craft world. I think that's. I did have that. Um, that was part of um, Games Workshop's War Game series of board games. I did own that. I forgot about that for a second. Still in my mum and dad's house, actually. I might have to get that and see if all the parts are there so I can play a game at some point. Um, I'm, I'm getting off the point. But, um, yeah, so kind of fell away from board gaming until um, three years ago I think maybe four just two years before I met Fiona I think it was three years ago um, I got I started in Kickstarters um, and I got Conan and I got um, Zombieside Black Plague and I got um, Massive Darkness now all three of these are miniature board games uh, and they have different elements to them that make them unique well not absolute actually I hate when people say absolutely unique and unique is you, you can only say unique and it's unique there's no extremely unique or really unique or anything like that it's unique it is singular there is nothing like it. To be fair, there is nothing like Massive Darkness because the 
set of rules that you use for Massive Darkness are the Massive Darkness rules. That's it. Nobody else uses them, as far as I'm aware. Um, Zombicide, all of the Zombicide games kind of use the same system. Um, and then Conan has its own system. Now, they're all based around their different variant types of rules. Um, I think Massive Darkness is very American. Um, Massive Darkness and... Um, Scott. Um, said I think they're very much for the American market whereas Conan's kind of a hybrid of, of different European um, types of board games which it, I like both well actually I like all three I say both, I like all three games. I've only played a couple of games of Conan. I've played loads of games of Massive Darkness and quite a number of games of um, Zombicide. But, you know, the game's different every time you play it because you flip different cards to get different. Or, you know, one game of the Conan game will play. One of each scenario plays out differently from the next completely. Um, even though you're using basically the same stuff. Um, it does, it plays out completely um, uniquely. It depends on who's been the, the, the game master kind of guy uh, in the Conan game, how they play um, and how they, how they manage their... It's, it's very much managing their resources or, or their like monsters and what have you. It's how, you know, how that game is played and how, you know, obviously the heroes games are played, how they manage their resources and what have you. Um, but... You know, that was my first board games for at least 15 years. First time I had bought a board game in at least 15, maybe 20 years. <coughs> Excuse me, I have bad indigestion right now. I really should take an acid to drink a great big glass of milk. Um, but um, I'm recording this, so I'll get back, get to it in a minute. Um, so about three or four months ago um, I not actually it's longer than that it's maybe about a year ago I got um, Star Fox I think I got it for Christmas last year um, because I'd played it at Falkirk and I had really enjoyed it so I wanted to get it so somebody bought me it for Christmas on my birthday, I can't remember what, um, and I played it with Fiona quite a bit, um, and you know, we really enjoyed playing that with each other, um, and you know, we're kind of on even scores, uh, and then I bought Tiny Epic Galaxies, um, no, I think that was for my birthday, I got that, um, and I actually quite like that game. I quite enjoy that game. Um, I haven't played it properly, I don't think, so far. But I enjoyed it anyway. Um, but, uh, not long ago, she was like, well, why don't you buy like this game and that game so, so we can play it together? So we got um, Cards Against Humanity and we got Code Names. Code Names. Uh, we got both of them to play. Now, Cards Against Humanity, we never played until Christmas Day. 
with her family and her brother-in-law's dad and sister um, and that was kind of you know eye-opening um, about how bad cards against humanity can actually fucking be um, with people you don't expect it to be bad with um, but also codenames we played that a couple of times we played like a two player game version of it where you're playing against like uh, you're playing against um, you're not playing against like opponents but you're playing against uh, a set a way of how the the opponent is AI'd um, and then we played a couple of games with her mum and dad and we got beat badly um, by them but we haven't really played it fully because what they recommend is you play three players um, in each team and then you know each player gets a, a shot at being the what they call it Master Spy, I think they call it the Master Spy, and and if you go on and watch tabletop code names, you'll yell that he uh, Will Wheaton explains it, and the actual game explains it better than me trying to explain it to you. But we got them, and we played them, and then for Christmas, we both got vouchers of our mum and dad. And Fiona was like, "Well, why don't we just go buy like a whole load of board games?" Um, so we bought Elder Sign, which was specifically for me, um, and playing my mates because she's not particularly enamoured with the idea of that. Um, oh, pardon me, I'm really, really sorry about this. But um, also, Pandemic and Forbidden Island. Now, all three of them. I suppose technically you could call them board games, but um, they're not really. Um, but obviously, Pandemic is a board game. Um, Forbidden Island, technically, you make the board up when you're putting it together, um, and it comes apart. Oh. Oof, I'm old. And the same could be said for um, Elders, Elder Sign, um, Elder Sign's the revised edition. And at some point in the near future, I will have an Elder Sign unboxing. Um, I did have one, but Zach, in his infinite wisdom, um, not the surface it was on, and the camera. Um, the angle kind of went off it's my phone I use but it's a really good phone and that's why I use it um, for everything um, but um, yeah I've lost like half the half the footage is at a stupid bloody angle when I'm missing half the stuff I'm showing you so I'll have to redo that at some point in the near future and get that uploaded um, onto the YouTube channel, uh, and yeah, so that is that's more of a dice game. It's the different mechanics that I quite like having all these different mechanics, different card mechanics. 
Now, um, there's lots of games that have got card mechanics, but it's different types of card mechanics. It's like, don't get me wrong, um, for Bad Island, and Pandemic, fuck right, I um, have uh, pretty much the same mechanic because it's written by the same guy, but it's done in a different way. You know, the the way things go are done in a different way, and so obviously diseases are spread, whereas when um, you play Forbidden Island, parts of the island go underwater um, and then disappear, which is not the same for um, Pandemic, obviously. Um, and with, you know, obviously the Elder Sign is dice trying to get each, you know, part of the museum that you're in done, you know, each gone part of it gone through so you can get enough Elder Sign to stop the Elder One from, or Ancient One, from appearing and destroying the Earth. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's the variance of different ways that cards or dice or what have you can alter the game is what I enjoy about board gaming um, that I've started picking up. Um, I would like to pick up some uh, different ones other than this. I would really love to have Lords of Waterdeep because even though I I'll be honest with you, I've watched Lords of Waterdeep and Elder Sign, the tabletop episodes, and I know lots of people love Felicia Day, but she's fucking annoying in them. Um, and, you know, it sometimes puts me off watching an episode when I know she's on it. But I've watched both of them, and I still bought Elder Sign, and I still watch Lords of Waterdeep, so I know loads of you love Felicia Day, but she's just so annoying sometimes it's just the way she talks and is over the top with things and shit I'm just oh please shut up anyway I shall digress from that one Um yeah so I'm really enjoying the board games and because I am not allowed to buy any new mech figures and I'm not allowed to buy any new terrain stuff um, I think board games are going to be the things that are going to get bought for probably the next year if not a little bit longer um, as I try and cut down in the amount of projects that I have outstanding um, I need to build all my fucking trees um, so that actually segues into what I was wanting to talk about um, other than this um, is terrain now as you've probably listened to me talk about um, LuxCPS, LuxCPS is where I get my ideas for doing all my... T- I mean, he's not the only place that I get the ideas from, but he's the main place. Um, all I wanted to talk about was building your own terrain and how easy it can be. And doing all your own stuff like um, yeah so building your own terrain um, rather than going out and buying it now I know a lot of people 
I know a lot of people will go off and warn at me for going, oh, don't but go out and buy terrain off people. Now, I know loads of people don't have the time to actually sit and make their own terrain, but, you know, I think it's important that if you can find the time to, to build your own terrain, it is do it. Um, you know, it's just not that difficult. It might look difficult. And sometimes I make it look difficult from the way that I do it, the way that I fuck up. But, you know, it's not. It really isn't. It's, it's just another... It, it's difficult to make it look really good. But it's like painting. It takes time to, to make it look good. And it takes effort. And it takes you trying lots of different things and, and trying to do things different ways to get it to look good. I mean, I do a mean hill, but a hill's not really that hard to do. It's a couple of bits of foam, some modelling compound, spread around it so it looks vaguely hellish and then put some, um, like, fucking ground covering on it and then put static grass over it or foam grass or whatever you're using for it um, or um, sawdust flock or whatever whatever you're using to make your grass look you know you put that over it it's not rocket science you can add a few stones or a few bushes or whatever you want to add to it but it really isn't that hard to make a hill. It, it takes a bit of research, it takes a wee bit of money, but not a huge amount of money, because you can buy like styrofoam for um, 20 quid or something like that, for big sheets of 2 by one Actually, not quite 2 by one but you can make any 2 by ones um, which I use to make my boards as well. I don't just make, have just made my own terrain. I've made my own boards, like two by one boards to do like modular gaming, like modular tables so I can switch about. Um, don't look that modular because my flocking is terrible. Um, but, you know, I think it looks good. I think part of it looks good. I think part of it looks fucking terrible, but you know, that's me. That's me being self-critical about myself. But <clears throat> the thing is, you know, a lot of people in war gaming look at the like stuff the games workshop do and think, oh I couldn't do that. Well, no, you probably couldn't do it right now, but in a couple of years with a bit of experience and a bit of practice under your belt then you probably could and to be honest with you you see the um, some of the terrain the Games Workshop comes out with, has come out with over the years it's not that good there's ways of doing better um, so uh, I highly I do really recommend that you look into it um, I don't recommend that if you're living in your mum and dad's house um, you use all their crap uh, not their crap but like their service and their uh, <laughs> and their various other things to make terrain um, but 
always if you if you're under the age of eighteen, always get the permission before you buy the stuff. If you're over the age of eighteen, I, I, sh I shouldn't laugh because I love my mum and dad for long off. Um, get their permission to use your room as as a place of building your terrain um, or use the kitchen table or whatever you paint to build it um, but you know it's it's really good it's a really good thing to do don't try wire trees before you've tried tree armatures to make trees because that's just throwing yourself at the deep end and not expecting yourself to fail because um, trust me I made some hideous hideous um, wire trees one of them which was binned in the latest um, portion of my room my hobby room well my Anfield is hobby room um, because it's so hideous I actually managed to salvage some of the sea foam tree um, branch things that I'll use as bushes or something like that or as 15mm or 10mm trees because they're probably big enough to be those size trees uh, on their own uh, but not big enough to be um, like proper wargaming trees like 28mm trees um, Uh, the thing I would like to think talk about um, with building your own terrain um, is always be bloody safe. Um, watch yourself uh, with the knives and what have you, and the glue guns, and like any of the aerosol stuff that you might use. You know, always be careful with what you're doing with it um, because you know somebody can get hurt, and not just you. You know. If you've got younger siblings that are quite a number of years younger than you, or you know you've got nephews or nieces that are little, having blades lying about is not a good thing. So, uh, having puppies about with blades is not the greatest thing on the planet. Trust me, I have a twelve-month-old puppy, um, and there's been a few times where I've been worried that a blade's pinged off and it might get stuck in his foot so you know be aware the other thing is also scale creep with terrain now <clears throat> you're never going to get a true scale tree um, in 28mm because a true scale tree especially for like pine trees and trees like the trees that are in your back garden or too big to put on a fucking gaming table you'd have like two trees and then very little else I've actually had a look at it myself um, but that, that the other thing is also like buildings and stuff if you're going to build buildings you probably can get away with a certain amount of true scale on it but it depends on the size of board you're using 
depends on what you're doing with it as well. So, like, if I... We've been talking with um, Dave Watson, um, one of the guys in uh, the Glasgow District War Games Club that I'm a member of, about doing an Operation Sea Line. Um, what if? Um, the Germans obviously invaded England, uh, and we've been talking about um, the buildings for it. Nobody does. Um, uh, World War Two era, Br- uh, English. I was going to say British, but English um, village buildings at this moment in time. Um, I've been looking at trying to teach myself to do three D. Um, <coughs> software, you know, try to build it myself. Um, but <laughs> all attempts at this point have um, evaded me and actually been able to make anything. Um, I'm so busy with all stuff at the moment, like this and the YouTube channel, that I can actually. <sighs> I can't really devote that much time to it. Um, hopefully, I'll be going back to work very soon. So can devote even less time to it um, so it's, it's something you need to be aware of is the, the size the scale creep um, you want to be, have it as close as you can but without it looking stupid or look, having it look out of place on your table so I've got a whole bunch of outcrops um, that are quite large but eh, if I was putting them on a um, an eight before and a like a, a craggy um, terrain, they wouldn't look out of place because they're not too big, but they're not too small. Um, so you know they're kind of exactly right for the size, and that's that was a happy accident because it was using the expanding foam to make on um, um, baking baking trays, baking sheets the, the baking paper that's it, baking paper um, sheet it's like squished out along a big ro- long roll of that um, baking paper that's the bloody word I was looking for um, yes squished all along that um, and it just pulled off um, the other thing is now not everyone's got enough money to start out doing this but if you can afford a static grass um, box um, or applicator like a good decent version of it making your see your bushes and your flower um, plot plant, uh, flower plants and what have the you can put on your bases buy one of them instead of going out and buying the pre-made stuff because it will be a lot cheaper in the long run so you just put your um, there's lots of videos that explain how to do it but um, that I would recommend that if you can afford to buy one of them, buy one um, outright. Right away, I wish I could have. I wish I knew about it and wish I could have bought one right away. 
and um, I think I might have to actually get somebody to buy one for me for my Christmas for my birthday in March. Um, since I'm not getting any new toys, I might as well get that kind of toy. Um, though if you own it, might kill me. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, she might be all right with it because it's not actually me buying a toy or, or, or a bit of terrain stuff or making bits of terrain because um, I, I need to finish lots and lots and lots of different projects but um, yeah so um, if you're going to do it plan it don't honestly I am the worst kind of um, impulse wargamer um, I buy stuff on impulse all the time um, if I was a gambler, I'd be, I would be fucked. I'm on, honestly, I would get so much impulse um, control issues when it comes to gaming. That is ridiculous. Um, I've gone and bought like two fleets for dystopian wars and, and banged them out, um, like as big a fleet as I can possibly pick up um, right away. Um, when I did the US Marine no I shouldn't Marines US Army for World War 2 I bought shitloads of stuff um, without realising that I didn't need that much stuff I have a whole platoon worth of figures that's actually going to get painted um, for the YouTube channel to raffle off for people to help with actually do the podcast and the YouTube channel um, and keep it afloat um, what else uh, oh my space wolves when I was rebuilding my space wolf army um, for 40k I bought shit loads I have more terminators than I would ever need I swear to god I have more friggin um, 30k and 40k Infantry than I would ever need for any one game. Um, I've got like 15 bikes or something like that. Not including my attack bikes. I've got 30 Skyclaws though. I have uses for 30 Skyclaws. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, I have that problem that I start doing, I start buying all this stuff. I don't actually finish it. Oh, I have like 40 trees and about 3 of them are finished and that doesn't include that, I mean that's the ones that have been made from armatures I've still got about maybe not 40 but at least 20 still about I'm looking at them going but about loads of hills about about a big massive river Um, but there's 3 sections actually five sections that don't actually I've used resin to do the surface but I missed a bit in the middle um, and I can't afford to go out and buy the resin right now um, and also it's not the weather for the resin that I use because it stings like high fucking heaven and I can't do it outside um, but yeah honestly plan out what you're going to do before you start doing it with terrain 
because you will get carried away. I am so carried away that it's ridiculous. I've spent. I only started uh, doing it in October. Yeah, October. I probably spent about six hundred quid on stuff. Maybe a wee bit before that. Maybe September or August. I can't remember to be honest. But it was it was it's less than six months, and I've, I've easily spent about six or seven hundred quid towards the stuff. That's scary. It really is. Um. I'm probably exaggerating a bit, but it's not by a lot um, that I'm exaggerating. But just there's just so much stuff that I've started doing, and I've got like trees, and I've got um, hills, and I've got outcrops, and I've got what have you that are, that are finished. But everything else needs to finish. Just like so much stuff, um, and I've started doing stuff for Naked Monday as well, but um, that I can use for 40k. But you know, I need to finish that off too. I need to figure out what I want to do with it, to be honest. Um, because I want to make it look really good, but I'm trying to figure out a way of making it look really good. And that's the problem. I'm trying to make it look really good. <laughs> you don't have a fucking clue what you're doing. It's funny. I find it funny. Anyway, um. What else was I going to talk about? I was going to talk about lots and lots and lots and lots of things. Um, what was the one? I, I was, I was thinking about uh, RPGs again. Um, I know I talked a lot about two D twenty RPGs the other day on the other pod, the other podcast. It is actually the other day now because um, I recorded it yesterday morning. Um, I'll put half bloody two um, recording this. <sighs> so I was talking about the 2D20 um, system of RPGs and I also talked a little about about, about through the breach um, and I think I was probably a little bit harsh on, on weird and uh, I thought that the, the scheduling and the release in the second edition was a little bit much in the short period that they did it um, but you know I don't know what I'm talking about I, I, I honestly don't know what I'm talking about when I when I talk about these things sometimes it's like it's just something that pops into my head and I see it um, but you know I I've been RPGing for years and years and years and years well, on and off, anyway. Um, but, you know, I went from 2nd edition. I mean, 2nd edition D&D was around for a long time. Some people call it 2nd AD&D, some people call it 2nd edition AD&D. I, I just go with it. It was whole 2nd edition D&D. Um, So second edition eight D D D D was you know what I started with when it comes to um, Dungeons and Dragons 
Um, so you've got different updated versions. Um, so 1987, you're talking second edition AD&D, um, and it wasn't until 2000. You know, the year 2000, they released the third edition of D&D. So you think about it, it went from 1987 to 2000, that is 13 years. That's a long time for a wanted single edition of a game. Not so much for an RPG, I don't think, um, from, you know, thinking about it, because there's a lot you can do with an RPG. Um, especially one like Dungeons and Dragons but that's Dungeons and Dragons because Dungeons and Dragons has so many different settings you know you've got Faerun you've got Greyhawk you've got Eberron you've got um, Kryon Kyron I can never remember what the Dragonlance how, how you pronounce the Dragonlance one I never really knew I said Kryon or Kyron at times um, you know but you know these are like the the main ones really um, Where I, and you've got other ones you know you get the Ravenloft one you've got um, Duck Sun um, you get Planescape you know there, there's loads of them there's loads of different ones um, so that allowed D&D, TSR, and then, <coughs> I'm not sure whether or not 3rd um, edition came out long after Hasbro bought the company, uh, or bought the, the rights to Dungeons & Dragons. Obviously Wizards of the Coast release was the, um, Dungeons & Dragons, but Wizards of the Coast was owned by Hasbro, so you know, and they released the D20 set of rules, and then later on did the 3.5 version, um, and 4th edition, you know, there's a lot more editions in the last 17 years, no, 19 years, um, than there had been in the previous 13, you know, obviously, the previous 13, there was a single edition of AD&D, and then, you know, 19 years later we've had 3rd edition 3.5, 4th and 5th so we've had 4 different editions uh, and <coughs> that I think has a lot to do with you know the increased need of the gamer um, for additional information um, uh, has gone to the point where okay we need to redo and do 4th edition um, and then obviously in the time between 4th edition and 5th edition they've, they've soaked up all that other stuff so they're doing 5th edition um, you know so it does you know take a lot less time to go through everything now so it takes uh, a lot less time to go through all of the um, settings now but you know the thing with that is they have all those settings, you know, weird and, you know, all these other companies don't really have that, but, um, to be honest, I don't think with the two D20 systems, um, there'll be, like, new additions, I think there'll be reprints with Arata 
and updated stuff. Um, so if you've already bought like the PDF version of the rulebook, you know you won't have to go out and buy a new rulebook because those are data changes all the time, um, and obviously they get up. You know when you buy the PDF version, you get the updated version. So you know, um, I don't think um, you know going to buy the the D and D model. You you really can. <clears throat> you really can go through, you know, and go, well, weird took this short amount of time to switch over because, you know, they wanted to make more money. It might be that they wanted to make more money. It might just be that they decided, right, um, all this stuff that's happened, what us doing, all, all the through the breach stuff up until now has made it so that we think actually what we need to do is update this class, update that class um, or path as they call it um, I'm sure it's a path I don't have my copy to hand but um, all these things need to get updated um, the spells as well um, and, and everything and you know it hasn't changed a massive amount but it's changed enough that they probably did need to bring out a new edition um, I don't know I get a little wary of bad mouthing people um, and companies because you know I play the games I understand that you know there might be reasons for it you know, I say what I think, and I think what I feel, uh, and sometimes it's going to get me into trouble, but that's fine, because that's life, that's what happens in life, you, you say things that will get you into trouble, and there's no point backpedaling, but there's also no point in not telling, telling it how it is, because if you don't, you know, it's not going to, not going to help you in life. Far as I'm concerned, anyway. Uh, but um, I'm rambling on now. Um, what are we going to talk about next? So there's the whole um, resolution for 2019 thing. Now I did it. Right? I, I've said I'm not going to buy any more figures until such point that you know I can actually say that. I put a big dent in my paint collection, apart from the um, conquest stuff, because obviously that's going on something else. That's that's being used as a big raffle army uh, for the the Storm Warden Space Marine one. Anyway, um, you know, but that's also getting me all that terrain and all the all the scatter stuff, which you know. I quite like the idea of um, having all that stuff but at the same time you know I'm being realistic I only have so much time over the year that I can play war games yeah, I mean there's last year I missed half of the um, Glasgow Club meetings because I had work or the life events happened and you know 
when life happens you can't game it's just how it is um, and you know there's only so much time I can spend painting there's only so much time I can spend you know not with you know my family and friends and all this that kind of stuff that is outside the gaming so you know I was being realistic when I made that particular um, resolution uh, and there was also that um, I'm going to try to play more games try to get more people into gaming but that's kind of always part of what I want to do over a year I always want to play more games more different games bring more people in it you know get more people playing whatever games I play that kind of things it's, it's kind of a given with me you know I go to shows every every year you know I'll, I'll be going to the Carronade and Falkirk um, Claymore and Edinburgh um, even though I hate certain people up there um, I hate dealing with certain people up there fucking drive me insane wanted to punch one guy once old bastard treat me as if I was a fucking Wayne and this is when I was like 30 no I don't, I, I don't appreciate I never really appreciated getting talked down to when I was a, was a kid and, and a teenager I really don't appreciate it now that I'm a bloody adult Um, but that guy's a bit of an asshole anyway as far as I'm aware so it's fine Um, but you know I'll be going there and hopefully I'll be going to the Glasgow G3 gathering um, so um, try to get stuff done for that particular um, show when I either take some Napoleonics and do some Sharps practice or I want to take along some board games um, some miniature board games um, like Conan or um, something like that or if somebody else wanted to do something I'm quite happy to you know help out you know, it's important to be involved in the hobby, not just as a player, but you know, as somebody that actively tries to help the hobby. That is my opinion. It's obviously not everyone's opinion, and that's you know, I understand that. Um, and you know, I love the way I do you know hobby wise because you know I, I don't want to not have opponents to play anything I want to play I, I don't want to not you know get to play something because there's nobody to do it with um, it's just my mindset on that um, and I just I don't understand people that don't have that mindset. But I do, because there's people I know that have anxiety issues that, you know, aren't particularly good at um, interacting with other people, except when it's, you know, playing the game. They can interact with them when they're doing that, but they have to do it through Facebook or whatever like that, um, otherwise. Um, but, you know, I also know people with extreme anxiety issues that are 
great at teaching people how to play new games. Bringing people in and teaching them how to play it. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I don't know where I was going with that one, but... You know, the, the whole resolution thing is like making New Year's resolutions otherwise. You know, there's, there's a point where you're going to break it. Or the thing is, what you say is, I'm going to try my best. You never say, I'm going to do this. You always say, I'm going to try my best to not do this or to do this or to do that. Or the next thing is never, I'm going to. So I am going to try my best to paint as many figures as I can this year. I'm going to try my best to play as many more games as I can next year and play with as many different people as I can this year. Um, the thing with the, the the figures is I've actually got to the point where I'm like, right, unless it's absolutely necessary for me to do, do this, that, or the next thing, I'm not going to buy it. So my jeans are cult. Um, I'm not buying any figures for it until um, such point as I actually start getting it painted, which will be some point next year. So it's January, and already it's going to be some. I know it's going to be some point next year because I've got other stuff to do before then. I've got space minions to do. I've got space wolves to do. I've got storm models to do. I've got mass attacks to do. I've got um, the Napoleonics to do. Um, I've got uh, other projects that I'll have to get done uh, clients projects that need to get done you know it's it's not going to be a, a quiet year painting wise for me it's not going to be a, a quite an open year for me that I can just sit back and do whatever the hell I like um, with my painting that I can't there's also my terrain projects that need to be finished, you know, so I don't have that time to go and sit and paint jean steels because the thing about the jean steels is they're going to be part of a, a split army, so it'll be Chaos, um, Imperial Guard, and Chaos Cult, so they'll all be kind of all the figures will be of the same paint scheme. Um, so if you've seen my Goliath and my Necromunda Goliath, they are going to be part of that, and they are all, you know, yellow and red and uh, greeny blue, or bluey green, depending on how you look at it, you know. Um, so that's every figure in the army is going to be, which means I have to re I have to strip my jeans to cult um, figures. So you know, it's, it's all going to be one big massive army. Um, with Chaos Cultists mm -hmm. with Chaos Marines with, you know, the Genesteel Cult with the Imperial Guard with Necromunda stuff um, I'm going to have you know, mid, um, Feudal Imperial Guard um, among others stuff that I have had for Warzone like the Warzone um, plastics that's going to be painted as, you know the Tempest as Scions of this particular army um, but they could also be used as, you know, obviously um, Traitor Guard Scions or Stormtroopers or whatever you want to call them um, Veterans or what have you uh, so, you know 
it's not going to be a little project, it is a year long project and it's slated for next year already I already have plans but you know I'm flexible enough that I know things are going to get in the way of me doing this things are getting me in, going to get me in the way of me doing that uh, and I've you know I'm ready for that. that that's the thing when you make these kind of you know predictions and resolutions and stuff you have to be able to um, roll with the punches you have to be able to um, deal with the fact that you might not get that done you might get it done, but there's no um, guarantee that it's going to happen. So um, that's that's that little bit. Oh, God. another thing I was want to talk about was is um, you know the the rebirth of the specialist games for Games Workshop. Now, if you're as old as me, you remember back in the day where Games Workshop would just release a game um, like Blood Bowl back in the day like Dark Future like the Titanic Epic Space Marine everything went into White Dwarf and everything was in White Dwarf you know, it wouldn't matter you know, there was Warhammer Roleplay Warhammer 4K you know, everything was in there um, and then, you know, Battlefield Gothic I think it was when Necromunda first came out that, you know they started. Well, it was actually long before that they stopped doing anybody else's stuff. But you know, when it they got to a point where it was like, right, we've got too much stuff for us to keep going and putting everything in white dwarf all the time. Um, but it's got to the point where you're like, when they shut down specialist games, um, there was no support for anything. Um, you know, we all had to support each other in that. Uh, and I think that's quite important um, to remember um, and I think it's quite important for Games Workshop to remember that all these games that they've had in the past um, there's as communities out there um, obviously Adeptus Titanicus when it came back it was a massive hit um, you know, Necromunda's been a bit of a hit but it's also been a bit of a miss you know it dips in and out of popularity um, with people the the thing is you know you keep on running out of gangs you know I keep on I keep on seeing on element games all the stuff that you need keeps on like the gang cards you know your tactic cards and the dice and everything they keep on going out of um, out of stock and not being able to get unavailable to get you know, it's not helping. It's not helping keep the games alive. Obviously, they've got a release schedule, um, and they have to, you know, redo them, rejig the system, whatever they have to do with them. But it's not helping. Um, the bring in new players it's not helping bring and keep the older players you know I, I've heard a lot of complaints about the fact that you know 
people have gone out and bought all the gang war books and then you know when the Dalak gam comes out you know we've got a brand new rule book and we've got uh, you know we've got two new rule books that you've got to go out and buy they've got everything in it but if you want the Dalaks and the stuff that comes with that um, you have to go out and buy the new rule books that's not helpful I know it's not from what I've read it's not really Games Workshop's fault because the guy who was um, the lead on Necromunda left very close um, to release and wouldn't you know Games Workshop wouldn't give him a contract for um, what's the the word consultant wouldn't give him a consultant contract because Games Workshop don't do that. Don't do that. Game, Games Workshop, you know, if, if you want to work on or work with them, you have to work for them. You have to work directly for them, and I'm pretty sure that they don't like to work for anyone else, <coughs> unless you know, obviously, you're a black library um, writer like Andy Chambers and Gavin Thornton, people who have been there a long, long time or been been with Games Workshop at some point uh, and worked on lots of different things they're quite happy to you know have you do whatever you want just as long as you get the stuff that they need you to do on time um, but you know, I think that's a lesson that has to be learned with game with obviously Necromunda um, you can't have that with Titanicus um, if they bring a version of more time back um, if they do Battlefield Gothic again, you know, you know, Blood Bowl's been slightly the same. Though I think Blood Bowl was always planned to would release the main rules and then do everything through Forge World after that. Um, but I'm not sure on that. You know, I can't I can't speak for Games Workshop and I can't I can't be clairvoyant and go well, this is what their idea was, but you know, you have to learn the lessons from Necromunda and Blood Bowl that there is a vocal community that has kept these games alive when Games Workshop haven't been doing shit with them. Um, and you need to, as much as you need to bring in those old, those new players, you also have to understand the feelings of the older players that they want to come back and have this new game and enjoy it and um, I mean I'm running a campaign for, for Necromunda this year um, but there's the, everyone apart from two or three um, never played the original um, so you know they're new players but it's bringing in the old players that was difficult. Um, I, we did a campaign at um, the club a number of years ago when Ekramunda, um, and you know none of those players wanted to take part because I don't know. I don't know why they didn't want to take part. I've not asked them because I don't think it's you know I don't think it's my place to go. But why don't you want to take part in my campaign? You don't want. I mean, I mean that's the thing. I run the campaign 
I don't care if you don't want to take part in it. Don't take part in it. That's fine. Don't have an issue with it. Um, I would like to have had them play in it because there'd have been more players, uh, and we could have, you know, extended it a little bit better and fleshed out a bit more. But you know, I can live with it. It's just, you know, who who plays is who plays. That's fine. Um, but I do I honestly do believe that the thing with bringing back the specialist games is you have to bring them back properly. You can't just bring them back, you know, willy nilly, with no you know regard for the community. Um, you know, I I do know. I think. Well, I think. I don't know for sure, but I do think there are people who were who are part of Yak Tribe, which is obviously the the big um, Necromunda website. It's also got more time stuff and um, Gorkamorka and a lot of specialist game stuff is on that website. Um, I do I believe that you know they've had a hand in bringing the the new game to life, but. I don't know how much, um, and I don't know if it's you know it's been a smooth trajectory, smooth smooth sailing. Um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say there, but um, you know, I think having and keeping the the community that still plays these games. Um, involved is an important thing um, to get the new edition that you bring out and bring it forward and bring it you know into the community as a whole like the the gaming community as a whole and have it accepted and played and you know I, the thing is with these figures you know, Games Workshop can't like be spending a small amount of money because the the um, the molds aren't cheap on plastic. Even if Games Workshop did it all in house, it still wouldn't be cheap because um, it takes time and money to get these created. Um, it takes a, an engineer um, of some skill, as far as I'm aware, um, to put one of these molds together um, and you know with the gangs for Necromunda there's a lot of them and it can't have been cheap you know, the, the molding can't have been cheap um, let alone how much money they spent on um, advertising now I know probably a lot of the stuff that they did are in house but not everything they could have done was in house you know what I mean um. So, you know, th- it's got to make money. Obviously, um. But you know, you, you can't really think the Games Workshop have gone out to tank their own game. You know, um. There might be elements within the um company that might want to tank it. Because they might want 
more money assigned to whatever project they work on, or you know, th- this happens in big companies. Um, but you know, it, from my limited experience with people who work in Game- GameStop shop, because obviously I haven't spent a lot of time in the shop in the last probably ten years maybe 15 years it's been a long time since I've spent a lot of time in a games workshop and even when I did spend any amount of time in a games workshop it wasn't a lot um, which is probably one of the reasons I never got the job that I applied for with them but you know I'm still a bit of a fucker about it still, I always will be I'll always get on my bloody nerves um, but you know that's beside the point entirely um, the thing is there's a lot of money being spent on it so they need to make their money back but they need to support it properly that's the thing if, if you're ever going to run your own games company um, run you know games and create games is you've got to support it one of the biggest problems Spartan had um, which I believe is one of the reasons that they went under um, is they did not support their games properly they would release this new set of rules and support it for about 6 months and then it fall off support would fall away because they'd go do something else and then it was a cycle with them support it for 6 months and then fall off and even at the end the support was less than 6 months you know, obviously they released a lot of the Halo stuff in the, the latter days and I think they've spent too much on the license Games Workshop have done that before um, from what I heard with the Lord of the Rings um, license was it wasn't until very near the end of the original um, run of their license deal with New Line I think it was New Line, can't remember. Um, they started making a profit off the um, license. I don't know how true that is. It's the same as the, um, you know, at the time where it first came out, I knew a few people that worked for Game Workshop, or knew people who worked for Game Workshop down in the, the head office down in Nottingham or Lenton or wherever it is now um, and you know they talked you know you talk to your friends especially ones that are in the you know the community about stuff that happens if you work for a game company and basically part of the licence was you know they can't be the same size as the Warhammer figures because people just use Warhammer figures for playing Lord of the Rings so if they're all the same scale and if they're all different scales you know the original um, Lord of the Rings stuff I don't know how it is now because I've not bought any in a while long while because I've sold most of the stuff that I've got um, is true 25s so you know it's not 28s. It's, it's closer to true 25s than it is 28s. Um, so there is a big difference in size and build and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Um, and actually the... Um, 
Lord of the Rings stuff is closer uh, reality size, like building stuff like that, than the the forty K stuff. Because obviously forty K stuff and Warhammer stuff is exaggerated. Um, but you know that had to be a a difference. You know the different way of sculpting them, different way. You know because obviously all of their um, mold making stuff would be tooled towards making 28s rather than 25s. I don't know how much of a massive difference that makes, but you know I'm sure it will be a hard being a difference. And sculpting to that size as well would have been different uh, because this, it might only be three millimeters off to your eye, but it's you know when it's three ups and ten ups and all this that kind of stuff is massive difference between that and that so you know but you know there, there was that rumour that it wasn't on you know so that it wasn't until very near the end of the licence they, they made money so I can only imagine the kind of money that Spartan paid for the Halo franchise licence can it be cheap um, and maybe they overextended themselves but their biggest problem was not supporting the games properly and it's something you have to learn I think if you're going to be a developer of games is oh, do not overextend yourself do not spend too much money on a licence if you're going to licence stuff um, if you can't afford it and also um, you know, support everything that you do I think that's that's important for anyone in the gaming industry support what you're doing because you know people are only going to buy it if it's being supported people, people will buy it initially but once it stops being supported nobody's going to buy it um, and I think that's that's the thing that you have to get in your head if you're going to do that kind of thing and I, I might be rambling a little bit just now because I'm trying to think of what else I was going to say um, so oh yeah oh, I remember what it was now it's, if you are going to do a game right and you're going to put it on video or, or you're going to do um, battle reports or anything like that learn the fucking rules this is one thing I have learned from doing them myself I don't remember the bloody rules for 40k, I don't remember the rules for Kill Team and definitely didn't remember the rules for when I was doing um, a Song of Ice and Fire game um, so, you know to be honest with you, if you're going to play it all, learn the rules before you do it I mean the thing is, with a lot of sets of rules you know, it's, it's not apparent the, the nuances until you actually play a game it doesn't sing it kin until you play a game but what you have to do first is actually sit and read the rules sit and, sit and take your time go through the rules check them um, and make sure that you've got it right because there's nothing worse than having to stop mid game um, and go oh I don't remember that rule I don't remember this rule especially if you've got it on video makes you look like a complete and utter fucking tube 
guilty of that one several times. Um, but you know, as I said, you know, a lot of the time actually picking up the rules properly doesn't happen until you go and play the game, and then you go back and reread the rules. You're like, right, okay, understand that, understand that, understand that. It sticks. Um, it helps to have, you know, a player around that remembers everything. Um, once it's committed to memory, um, we've got Sam and the Falkirk uh, group that, you know, once he's got it, it's committed to memory and, you know, all you have to do is check with him. Um, but one, as I say, once it is committed to memory, he remembers it, but, you know, he can't. Um, if he doesn't remember it, it's it's because he hasn't it hasn't come up in a game, so he has to go back and look at it, and then it sticks in there. I wish I had that. I really do, because it drives me crazy playing a game and I can't remember shit. Um, though to be fair, it happens very often that I can't remember shit anyway. Because um, I have dyspraxia and I have absolute horrific memory at times. Um, there's no excuse for some it. Sometimes it's just that I haven't bothered um, remembering to read something or haven't bothered actually learning something properly. Um, and that, you know, it's fine. But you need to get your finger out. And um, read those rules before you do anything. Um, when I was doing an uh, uh, unboxing of a set of rules, <laughs> I completely forgot the rules. So I had to actually have the rules there with me, and I was actually saying things wrong every time, even though I've got the rules right in front of me. So. Obviously, hadn't read them well enough um, in order to get my point across. So before I do that again, because it got ruined, thank you, Zacky boy. Um, I will have to read the rules again, and uh, and at that point, you know, obviously I'll be ready to do it again. Um, but right now, not ready to do it again. Um, today, at some point, is this is Monday. Um, now. Uh, there will be another YouTube video released. It is oh, it's actually been released. I haven't watched it yet, um, or haven't um, tweeted or anything about it. So I actually need to do that. Um, that's the thing. Also, if you're going to be a YouTuber, uh, podcaster, and any anything like that, you need to remember to um, put tweets out, you know, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, everything on your social media, um, you have to get it out so people can watch it and see it and see what's going on on your channels, you know. Um, when I first released episode number one, it was out like that. But it was a stupid time in the morning, so I don't think a lot of people got it, so um, I had to send it out again. That's the thing, you have to 
you're in the UK, you have to send it out as an appropriate time for the UK, but also appropriate time for America and Europe. Um, so, at like two o'clock in the afternoon here, it is what six o'clock in Los Angeles. So, you know, you need to keep send that to be out at like eight o'clock in the morning, maybe. So people are getting it when they're, they're getting up and getting ready to go to work. Um, so you're talking four o'clock in the afternoon before you send all that stuff out. Well, I could send it out now and people would get it, but you know, we'll see. I shall see. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for me today. I think I've talked a lot, it's an hour and 20 minutes odd. Um, so I'm going to try and get the YouTube on a better schedule um, than I've got it on just now. Right now it's just, it's higgledy-piggledy days whenever I've got time to get that out, it gets out. Um, and this will probably, for the start, will be once a week. Um, but I'll see how I feel when I finish them all. Um, so I am going to say a good day and happy hobby. Um, actually, before I go, um, obviously I hope you have enjoyed this episode and I hope, hope you've enjoyed the previous two episodes. Obviously, if you've enjoyed one episode and listened to it and kept on listening, you have enjoyed it. Um, this channel is ad-free at the moment because obviously I don't have any support, uh, ad support. Um I'd like to keep that, um, cap, keep it like that as long as possible. Um, I don't do Patreon because I don't like the idea of me charging you for anything that I do. I'd like to think that if you would support me, um, you would do it because you want to. Um, so on the website for the podcast um, it's somewhere you can find it um, there is a link for to my coffee account now you know you don't need to give a lot of money two or three pounds dollars whatever it is it would buy you one less coffee for yourself I don't buy co- I don't drink coffee but you know it's, it's a I think it's a good system um, so basically what that plan is to do with the first lot of that money that I get is to um, buy a new mic for doing YouTube but also doing this, doing the podcast and doing Twitch when I can actually finally do Twitch um, right now my um, internet is complete garbage so I can't do it um, but also help me with my lighting rig because right now it's garbage um, yeah so basically if you want to support the channel go to yogi Dave's hobby dot co um, I think that's it hold on I'll check it because I'm frigging useless when remembering these things um, do, do, do. 
so uh, Yogi Dave's Hobby dot podient dot co um, and on there somewhere there is a link to my coffee account um, so a couple of pounds or a couple of dollars will help me out eventually when I get the money um, but it'll keep me going keep my YouTube going keep you know obviously um, if you've got, gone and watched the YouTube you know at some point I'm going to be doing some raffles for a couple of pounds so that what I'd ask is if you're going to um, do a coffee um, that'll be how I do the raffle so um, if you spend £3 or $3 or £3 I think it was it was either £2 or £3 I'm not 100% sure but every I think to be honest it'll be £2 for every £2 you'll get a raffle ticket um, and you know you'll be able to win you'll just get entered into whatever raffle is running at that particular time um, so the first one will be a painted version of Captain Calcius from um, Conquest on a display base um, that I've made myself um, and I'll you know if you want it, it'll be sent out to you, and you know that. If, if you get, if you pay for coffee now, you'll just get entered into that. And everyone that you give me, you'll get entered into that period's um, raffle. So you know, you're not getting something for nothing if you win, <laughs> but you're not getting some something for nothing anyway because you know it's helping support the podcast, the YouTube channel and eventually a Twitch channel so I'm not going looking for advertisers and having to you know mess about with all that nonsense um, so as I said um, I hope you enjoy I hope you continue to enjoy and I hope you come back again um, so again I'm going to say good day happy hobby <laughs>